Grosso sends one into left field, and it is up and gone! Mike Grosso has homered, and the Rays have a 2-1 lead! Hello and welcome to the Matanzas Podcast, a baseball podcast. I'm Max Tanzer, joined alongside Ryan Medeiros. We got a jam-packed episode once again for you guys, breaking down the American League Division Series and looking ahead to the American League and National League Championship Series as well. So not just the American League Division Series, but the National League Division Series as well. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Max. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Just, you know, had some Red Robin. I'm rolling into this one. That is that is my moneymaker right there. Gets me fired up. But uh, yeah, let's get right into it. And I actually think before we get into the breakdowns and look backs on the different, different postseason series, I think we should take some time to reflect on Whitey Ford, who unfortunately is another legendary member of the baseball community that passed away this past weekend. And the impact he had on Major League Baseball, uh, fought in the war, uh, was part of such great Yankees teams, arguably the best Yankees pitcher of all time. Uh, it's definitely super sad to see him uh, pass away. Yeah, absolutely, Max. Just devastating there. Uh, 91 years old, so he had a great run, just like in his baseball career. 10-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, like you mentioned, who's a Cy Young Award winner, World Series MVP. Just a jam-packed resume for Whitey Ford. So it's definitely a devastating loss for the baseball community and the Yankees community in a the same week that they happen to lose the division series as we'll get into so a tough week for Yankees fans all around here no doubt about that it would be quite poetic if they were able to pull off the win for him on game five the other night anyway let's get into the different series that we have to cover here so far let's start off in the American League we'll go over those two first we got the A's and the Astros the Astros winning that in four surprising the entire baseball world the bats were alive what were your takeaways from that one yeah, well, I just have to say, first of all, again, a lot of people were hard on the Astros this year. A lot of people didn't believe on the Astros for for various reasons, but their best players came through when they needed to the most. They showed off that experience. They played like we know they're capable of playing, whether it be with the treating system or not. They proved that they can be successful without that system, and that's right at what they were out there to prove in the beginning. Uh, this team was had a chip on their shoulder all year. They wanted to be able to prove that they can be just as successful as they were in the 2017 season. And I think they're right out there to win the World Series again this year. They have that right mindset. They're motivated this year. And I think they're a scary team. They showed that against a, a really successful Oakland A's team that was really successful over the course of the 2020 season. No doubt about that, and I think, and I think I might have said this on last week's podcast as well. I think a lot of people are coming into this or came into that series sleeping on them a little bit, looking at the record, and obviously looking at the loss of names, the loss of Garrett Cole, the loss of Justin Verlander, obviously Altuve not having a big year either. But as you mentioned, the bats came alive. The good players with playoff experience showed that playoff experience and executed perfectly. George Springer right off the out of the gates was fantastic. I think game one he had, what, three or four hits in his first three at-bats or so. Uh, Carlos Correa coming to life as he did in game two of the wild card series against the Twins and then kept that going on all the way through that. And then something I want to touch on too is Dusty Baker. I don't think they're here without him and just his ability to manage that division series obviously five games with no days off and a meager pitching staff to say the least that what you have Granky who had to pitch game four because 
he was used in the wildcard series, so they went with McCullers in game one. And besides that, those are your only two bona fide starters with somewhat playoff experience, if I'm correct here. And then he was able to mix up the Valdezes, the Javiers, and so forth, whether it be out of the bullpen or starting, and to keep that line going. And obviously, the A's were able to put up big offensive numbers against them, but luckily enough, the Astros bats were able to top them in the end game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, Dusty Baker did a beautiful job managing the limiting pitching that he had uh, in this five-game series. I mean, using Paredes, using Taylor, uh, he could not have used pitchers in a more effective manner. And like you said, they were roughed up a little bit. Some of the guys who came out of the bullpen uh, struggled a little bit, namely a guy like Rayleigh. We saw a scrub come in for a little bit in, 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 in a game that didn't really even matter. But again, he he got through the series using... Uh, very few pitchers and again he used them very effectively so you got to give a lot of credit to him here and we'll get into this a little bit later but I I think he'll be hard pressed to manage his pitching in a seven game series uh, just as well as he did in a five game series but again we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah give a ton of credit to us to Dusty Baker and just how well he managed his pitching staff again you got to give a lot of credit to McCullers Valdez again Javier who had started all year pretty much came in and relief and was just really effective uh, Dusty Baker did a fantastic job and his pitchers did a, a fantastic job also yeah, and I think when you get into the postseason, everyone talks about it. This is when the manager is getting the real test. The regular season, 162 games, it's easy to let the mistakes slide away in a season with that long of a duration. But here in the postseason, when every single game matters, every single out matters, you know, you're know you under the microscope a little bit. And Dusty Baker's been here before, notoriously hasn't won a World Series yet, came as close to it in 2002 with the uh, San Francisco Giants. Here he is trying to get back to it, and this is probably his biggest test yet, probably the most difficult team to manage going into postseason. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but I am incredibly impressed with him. And if you guys don't like the Houston Astros and you're trying to find a positive way to root for them, root for Dusty Baker. That's what I'll tell you. Um, but yeah, and then talking about the A's a little bit, Ryan, this is interesting as well because coming into this series, I thought, look, they should be able to get through this just because they're pitching. They had that plus over the Astros. The offense had looked decent in that American League wildcard series, and it was great in that division series, but the pitching fell apart completely. It was a different story. It's almost like they flip-flopped. Uh, what was your thoughts on that? Well, this was such a strange series just because of the way the ball was flying out of Dodger Stadium. I mean, it's really hard to criticize the A's pitching just because of the difficult environment they had to pitch in. Again, the Astros pitching did struggle a little bit too, despite the fact that they um, Baker managed them really well there. Uh, again, we saw a guy like Chris Bassett get roughed up a lot in Game 1, I think that set the tone. Bassett was a guy who pitched really well and relied on his defense a lot this year. However, when the ball is flying out of the ballpark, there's not a whole lot your defense can do. His advanced stats showed that Bassett was actually not as effective this year as his stats showed. Um, his expected ERA was much higher than his actual ERA. So I think this was just kind of a situation where the numbers kind of caught up to him. And again, the game ends up humbling you at some point. And I think that happened, unfortunately, to Bassett in game one of the series. And again, it kind of just... Uh, the dominoes fell for the A's throughout the rest of the series with their starting pitching. Again, like I predicted last week, none of their starters got through five innings, uh, which really ended up putting a lot of pressure on their bullpen. Liam Hendricks with a huge moment in Game 3 to keep their season alive. However, uh, the bullpen as a whole just didn't do enough to keep them in the series. Yeah, and you mentioned no starting pitchers going deep enough. And I think at the beginning of the series, you look at that and you look at it almost as a luxury. We don't need to 
have Bassett go through a third time of the order because we have this bullpen, but then all of a sudden they get taxed and taxed, and the tone is set. Even after that game three, the A's were able to jump out to a big lead in game four on the Loreano home run, but the Astros were able to bounce back immediately, and it just seemed that the A's never had a comfortable league, what lead whatsoever in this entire series, and I think, honestly, the pressure was hit to them a little bit, and they were coming in as the favorites in this series. They had called for the Astros' heads just a couple of weeks prior, and it did not go their way. Unfortunately, for the, if you're an A's fan right now, I, I would be incredibly disappointed and frustrated just because of all these circumstances. And they were able to make it to the American League Division Series since the first time since, what, 2012 or 13. But look, I, I truly thought this was a year that the A's could push for an American League pennant. Honestly, it was just the Rays who I thought was standing in their way, or the Yankees or whoever would make that one. But it did not work out, and obviously, as you mentioned, the ball was flying. That ended up hurting them more than it hurt the Astros. Obviously, the Astros moving on. It's a tough break for sure, but any final thoughts on that last one? Uh, Not particularly. Again, we pretty much covered it all. I think, again, it just goes to show that if the bullpen is your biggest strength as a team, so much farther ahead than any of your other things. I think, again, the A's lineup, again, strikes me as solid but not excellent. They were ranked uh, at the bottom they, of the league, yeah, in offense. Yeah, they, they, they struggled all year. And, again, their starting pitching, again, was just really inexperienced. So I think, again, it kind of just showed that when you lean on your bullpen too much, again, taxing those guys, it's going to come apart at some point. And I think that ended up falling apart for them in this series. Yeah, especially with the Astros' bats coming alive, too. I think coming into the series uh, – it was easy to sleep, again, as I mentioned, sleep on that Astros offense. And then you look, all right, the A's should be able to win this series just because even if their offense isn't you know, the same offense as the New York Yankees or the Atlanta Braves right now, their pitching should be good enough to limit this Astros offense, which should help them in that capacity. But the ball was flying, the Astros bats are hot, and that ended up being the deciding factor in that one. Let's move to the one that just ended a couple nights ago, the Rays and the Yankees, in my opinion, the best series so far here in the Major League postseason, Major League Baseball postseason here in 2020. The only series to go to five games. And this one was pretty back and forth. I think the most even matchup we have seen so far. What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, this was a really fun series. Again, uh, I would I would argue that it was the most exciting series of all of the division series. Again, just a back-and-forth affair between two really dominant clubs. It was nice to see the Yankees get healthy in time for the—or I should say relatively healthy. Obviously, they were missing Paxton and Severino, which would have made a huge difference in this series. But again, the Yankees, a relatively healthy Yankees team, showed that they can be very competitive with the Tampa Bay Rays a lot closer than the division standings indicated. Again, the Yankees were seven games back of the Tampa Bay Rays in the regular season, what— but you wouldn't have noticed, uh, figured that watching this series. Again, they were just seemed so evenly balanced. Again, the last game decided by a Mike Brosseau home run. Really exciting moment there. Obviously, we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But again, yeah, it was just uh, two evenly matched teams. The clash of the Titans, as I stated last week, it uh, lived up to the hype for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think you were perfect on that one. And game one, I think it started how most people would expect, at least through the first eight innings or so. Fairly tight when you have Snell and Cole going on the mound. Garrett Cole was very good in that one. I think six runs or six innings, three runs. Uh, then the Yankees were able to blow it open late on the grand slam. Then the Rays were able to take games two and three. Let's go back to game two and that decision that Aaron Boone made in starting Debbie Garcia taking him out after the first inning, almost using him as an opener, basically, to then throw in J.A. Happ. Now, I'm assuming the intent behind this was looking at the left-handed hitters in the Rays lineup and a combination of also that Devi Garcia 
wasn't looking, I guess, his sharpest after giving up a home run in the first inning. But it, it did not end up working. One, Hap isn't that extra effective against left-handed hitters. And two, he ended up giving up a home run to Mike Zanino, who's a right-handed hitter anyway. Uh, I think this... I don't want to say it defines the series for Aaron Boone as they were able to get to that game five, and we'll talk about game four and Jordan Montgomery later, but it definitely is something that Yankees fans will be looking back on this entire offseason with the whole what-if consensus. Yeah, I did not like this move at all, and you know my thoughts on this. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, but to kind of recap again, uh, for several reasons, again, Hap is a veteran starting pitcher that I think would have just been so much more comfortable starting off the game. Again, like you said, I don't really think starting Debbie Garcia was going to fool the Rays. Again, if we learn anything from this, it's that you're not going to fool the Tampa Bay Rays, the team <laughs> that basically began the whole opener strategy again. Uh, this seemed like a whole, a pretty much, again, a lot, of the, a lot of the discussion around the baseball community is that this was a front office decision. While I'm a big proponent for the, for the analytics in the game, this did not seem like a scenario, like you mentioned, that warranted that uh, analytical decision. It just didn't seem like the analytics supported that. But again, the Yankees front office might have looked at something that it said otherwise, and they were really confident and thought that this was the right move to make. But it just didn't end up working out, and it ended up uh, putting again the bullpen in a tough decision and made uh, Boone have to go to Britain and Chapman early. And I think it ended up costing them the series, quite honestly, because again we saw Chapman after uh, a little bit of extra work give up that. Brasso home run after that 10 pitch at bat so I think maybe that could add something to do with it and it potentially could have cost them the series yeah and I think that you know we saw Hap warming up after Garcia threw about five or six pitches so that's what makes me think that this was all part of the plan at the beginning right and I agree with you I don't think he should have made this decision based on what the numbers say I think you have to have a balance sure right it may tell you in this certain certain situation he might do better but you have to take a look deeper into that to see as you mentioned is J.A. Happ comfortable in this and two Davey Garcia is an arm that you don't want to burn he essentially burned two arms in one game and then J.A. Happ wasn't even able to get the win and put out an efficient outing in that ball game and it forced them to use Jordan Montgomery in game four which was an elimination game for them and thank goodness for the Yankees that Jordan Montgomery put out good a uh, four good innings but this was a guy coming in with a ERA north of five had not even lasted through the first inning the last time he faced the Rays and they were forced to use him in an elimination game because of that decision and I think that's really what people are going to be looking back here even though the Yankees were able to win does that this does that bail out Aaron Boone yeah I think Montgomery had shown some flashes this year I remember watching him pitch against the New York Mets in Yankee Stadium early this season and he was pretty dominant in that game actually so I think he is Again, I, I, I shouldn't say I think. I know he is a talented pitcher based on the flashes of potential that he has shown in the past. So it doesn't shock me a whole lot to actually see him go out there and pitch well against a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, who actually strikes out quite a bit. And uh, every once in a while does have some trouble producing runs. So one run through four innings wasn't actually that shocking of a development for me. But then again, it was a huge performance in a huge game for the New York Yankees. And you got to give Montgomery all the credit in the world there in a tough spot when normally you would have thought that it would have been Garcia or Hap pitching one of those two or pitching both of those games as opposed to Montgomery starting one. I actually originally, when I heard Garcia was starting in game two, I thought Montgomery would be the one to come out of the bullpen. Yeah, and I think it saved the Yankees' lives, and that gives him a lot of credit, especially going into next year and him trying to 
battle for a spot in that back end of that rotation. Uh, but then let's move on to the Brousseau home run, as we touched on a little bit earlier here in Game 5. Actually, let, before we get there, let's go over Game 5 as a whole. Garrett Cole versus Tyler Glass now. Uh, a start for the ages on both ends. You got Garrett Cole, who is arguably the best pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. I would say Jacob DeGrom before him, but that's an argument for another day. But you got Garrett Cole, the $324 million man that they paid for a situation like this. Let's start with that first inning. Got into a lot of trouble. The command wasn't there. Didn't look like he was quite sharp. The Rays were doing a really good job of being patient with him, drawing some walks as well. Uh, but then he was able to really settle in after that and put together a, real, a really good five and one-third of innings work. Yeah, I gotta first of all, I'm going to give you a little bit of credit. In the game preview, you predicted Cole going about five innings, and he did pitch five and a third. I had him going a little bit longer. But again, uh, he wasn't able to go as long just because he was a little ineffective with his pitches. Uh, the, the long pitch at bats to uh, Adamas and um, Wendell uh, late in the game ended up costing him while those both resulted in outs. Uh, those at bats were huge for the Tampa Bay Rays to get him out of the game earlier. Uh, Brett Gardner saved Cole also with that home run saving catch uh, off of Randy Rosarena. But um, this, that could have put, had a whole different storyline to the start for Cole if he doesn't make that catch. But uh, again, like, like, uh, like we talked about, this was a start where mistakes ended up costing both starting pitchers in their respective starts. Again, um, actually, I'm going to take that back. Glass now didn't give up the home run. Anderson did. But we saw, again, it was a lot of strikeouts and, um, and a few hard hit balls from mistakes on those hard fastballs. And again, that's the name of the game. So... Uh, I think back going back to what you were talking about, the starting pitchers, Tyler Glass now, I think that one time through the order was a front office decision for the Tampa Bay Rays. I think they planned that out totally with Kevin Cash before the game. I'm sure you'll agree with me on that, just just simply because they took him out immediately once the order tar- turned over mm-hmm. to DJ LeMahieu. Um, but the interesting development to me was the fact that Snell was not the one who followed uh, Glass now. It was actually a bullpen game pretty much from there on out, so... Uh, that was that was interesting development there. They it just goes to show how much Tampa Bay really trusts those arms in their bullpen. Yeah, and I I have a lot of respect for Kevin Cash in that situation just because you are going with Nick Anderson very early, a lot earlier than he'll usually go out there. Just in the last year and a half or so, and how he's been put in high leverage situations. But look, that was a high leverage situation over in the third and fourth innings, or whenever he came in uh, to inherit that situation for Glass. Now, and he was fantastic. Fairbanks a big bounce back for him after really, really struggling in his previous outing in the series, and then you hand it off to Castillo. And now look at this: you have either Morton or Snell available for Game One on Sunday night for the American League Championship Series as well. So it worked out perfectly for them. Uh, I agree. I thought they were going to piggyback Blake Snell off of Tyler Glass now, but you know what? They went with their guys, and they have a deep enough bullpen to do it, and it worked out for them. Versus if you look at the Yankees, what, they went cool a five and a third, and generally thinking, if you saw that Garrett Cole went five and one-third of an inning's work, and then they handed off to their pen versus the Rays, where their starter went two, You'd think, oh no, okay, the Yankees definitely have the advantage in that one, but the Rays were a little bit more rested in that in that case, excuse me, and have better arms in that ball game at least. And it was huge. It was so much fun. Then moving to the Brousseau home run, uh, you can't write it any better than that. I mean, I remember when he came to the plate in that situation with Chapman on the mound. They flash back to the moment where Chapman threw over his head earlier a couple months ago. 
I was thinking if you're Rollis Chapman right now, obviously you don't want to walk him, you don't want to give up a base hit, but the last thing in the world you want is a home run. That's going to sting you, especially going back to what happened last year with Altuve. Brousseau puts on one of the best at-bats I've seen in my life, gets a fastball on the inner third of the plate, 100 miles an hour or so, quick hands, gets the barrel to it, and just sneaks it out for a home run to give them the lead. How poetic is that, Ryan? I was so happy to see that. Oh, it's unbelievable seeing him get revenge against Chapman, who, again, we're assuming threw at him earlier in the season, just skimming it above his head. That was a frightening sight there. But, uh, again, a beautiful thing to see him get revenge and hit a home run on the hardest pitch hit for a home run in Major League postseason history, uh, obviously, that we have tracked um, since the StatCast era. But uh, that was uh, that was just awesome there. A ten pitch at bat. You knew he was he was looking for that fastball because that's the only way you're going to get around on Chapman's fastball is if you're looking for it, uh, pretty much. And, and just lasered one to left center field, just skimming above the wall again. Kept everyone captivated there. It wasn't like a no doubter. A no doubter would have been exciting also. But I think again that wall scraper just uh, made it all the more special there. Absolutely. It's almost like it's leaving you on a cliffhanger of a movie because you just don't know, and then you see it sneak over the wall. And it's all excitement. I was rooting for the Yankees in this ball game just because I wanted to see a Yankees-Astros matchup, as I've said several times in the last week. But uh, after seeing that, that was quite a special moment for him right there. And I don't think it gets any better than that. That was so cool to see. I'm very happy for this race team, and I'm excited to see them in the championship series for the first time since 2008. And talk about Pete Fairbanks one last moment before we move on. Had over a 6 ERA last year. And he comes back this year and just dominant. Uh, I, I think, again, you got to give a lot of credit to the Rays for finding these pitchers, really using the analytics to, uh, to find really valuable guys, diamonds in the rough, you could, rough, you could say, and uh, really turn them into star players. All right, let's head over to Texas now, the National League Division Series here. Let's start with that Dodgers-Padres one. Really underwhelming to me. I, was, I mean, I, my prediction was Padres in five if... Clevenger and Lamette were there, and Clevenger went about an inning, so I'm going to say that's off the table, but I still, I'll admit, I still would have expected the Padres to put up more of a fight, and they did in game two, we can't take that away from them, and then I think the Cody Bellinger robbing the home run is what really uh, caught them right there in that situation, but games one, or game one, excuse me, losing five to one, obviously losing Clevenger and having to throw out your entire bullpen's tough, and then game three, a 12 to three loss as well, Morhan wasn't didn't have his best stuff, and then they, how many bullpen guys did they use in that one? Like 10? It was something like that. It was absurd. But uh, yeah, not the same Padres team that we saw in the wildcard series against the Cardinals or this entire regular season, even when we saw the Padres really compete with this Dodgers ball club. The Dodgers are so good, have so much depth. The fact that they have pitchers that they haven't even used yet, like Tony Gonsolin and so forth, is crazy to me, but they could afford to do that because they have so many guys. What were your takeaways from this series? Well, I think, like you said, there was two major moments that set the tone for this series, in my opinion. Um, Mike Clevenger leaving with that injury after only an inning pitched, and the Cody Bellinger home run ride just turned the tide there, I believe, for the Dodgers. Again, the Clevenger start really, again, put the Padres in a tough position because they had to dip into that bullpen a lot earlier than they wanted to. And in game one of the series, in the second inning, you can't really get much earlier into your bullpen than that. Um, I think they were really banking on Clevenger to be that guy in this postseason, but that's really unfortunate for them that he couldn't uh, because of his injuries and his arm issues. Again, Denelson Lamette not being in the series was huge for the Padres. Also, um, it impacted them really negatively. They were, he had just been so dominant for them this year. 
And again, the next key moment, like I mentioned, the Cody Bellinger robbery right when Tatis puts Goodwood on one to deep center field. You really can't hit a ball much harder and farther for an out than he did there. Uh, that that really could have turned the tide for the Padres. Again, if he hits that, I can almost guarantee that the Padres come back just because of the momentum they gained from that potential home run. Uh, they come back and win that game, tie the series up, and that creates a whole different storyline than the Dodgers' three-game sweep. But again, credit to Cody Bellinger making a key play, a clutch play on a Tatis home run potential hit there and uh, just pretty much could have potentially saved the series for the Dodgers. Yeah, I was watching that one. I was watching it on my phone, and I had my jaw was on the floor. Uh, that was an unbelievable catch by a guy who you could argue isn't even a primary outfielder, just pure athleticism by him. Uh, and you're right, I 100% agree. If Tatis hits that home run, that entire Padres match is getting fired up. I think it would have been crazier than we than what we saw with the Rays getting fired up, just because or when Brasso at the home run, just because the characters on the Padres team are. So much fun to watch, have a lot of energy to say the least. We saw Machado throw the bat in esque of Tim Anderson earlier in that ball game. And then, of course, we see the fireworks afterwards with Bruce Starr, Gratterall, and Machado chirping a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think that really was the difference maker at that point in the series. After that, the Padres were able to battle back in that ninth inning, taking advantage of a struggling Kenley Jansen and Joe Kelly, who was. I don't even want to say effectively wild because he was just wild, walking a lot of guys. The slider command was not there, uh, but unfortunately they were not able to come back with the win. Then you go into game three, and again, you don't have one of those bona fide starters going in game three, and you have it in this entire series, and you're forced to use what is a really good bullpen, but that has already been taxed this entire series, and you go 11, 10, 11 guys in that series. I don't think there's no chance, especially, or I don't think there's much of a chance, especially since you're playing that Goliath in the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's really sad to see because this Padres team was so much fun to watch. I think the most electrifying team in Major League Baseball this year. It's sad that they had to run into the Dodgers as the first team they played. Yeah, and I think, again, uh, if you want to create another storyline in this that really showed the complexion of the series for the Padres was the fact that they had to use Ryan Weathers, who hadn't pitched above <laughs> a ball, and a really top prospect for them, a really good pitcher with a lot of potential. Um, but again, the guy hasn't pitched above a ball, and they're pitching him in the pretty in, in, in early innings for them in, in, one, of those, in one of those games there, uh, which goes to show they have a lot of faith him and potential for the future, but I think it also shows the fact that they, again, had to use their bullpen so much that they had to kind of dip into other areas of their player pool to be able to to eat up those innings against the Dodgers. And when you're looking for guys to eat up innings against the Dodgers, the end result isn't going to be pretty just because, again, <laughs> the Dodgers have so much depth, they're just going to keep running guys out there against you. Again, another guy we haven't even seen this series for the Dodgers is Jake McGee, who was really yeah. successful for them, a left-handed pitcher, formerly of Colorado and Tampa Bay. Um, he was really successful at the Dodgers this year, high velocity fastball pitcher there, um, and could be a weapon that we might see next series, depending on, uh, what the story is with him. Again, I don't know if he wasn't used because he is, uh, injured a little bit or, uh, just roughed up, or maybe they're just saving him. They didn't need to use him in this series, but, uh, that's someone to keep an eye on for the Dodgers. Yeah. And I think the tough, they, the Padres almost ironically had a tough draw as they were, you know, one of the best teams in Major League Baseball this year in the National League, but were the fourth seed because, of course, they were behind the Los Angeles Dodgers in the National League West. And I almost think, I just, and again, this is so hypothetical, but I like to think about this sometimes. If the Dodgers were in the other bracket that played in Houston 
And I mean, excuse me, I'm talking about the Padres. If the Padres were in the bracket that played in Houston and were able to beat the Braves or the Marlins or whoever they would play in that situation and face the Dodgers in the championship series, you know, you would almost wonder maybe they could get a Lamette back or maybe Clevenger could heal a little bit more and then be back to full health and not hurt his elbow a little bit more. And it's just the tough luck of the draw. I would have loved to see a Padres-Dodgers championship series, but I do think a Braves-Dodgers championship series will be great as well. Let's move on to the final division series that we haven't covered yet. That is going to be the Braves and the Marlins. And Ryan, I'll tell you, I mean, we, we've discussed, I have some history with the Miami Marlins. They used to call me Marlins Max. But uh, anyway, so with the Marlins, they jumped out very quickly out of the gate against uh, Max Fried, who's a very good pitcher this year, dominated the Reds in the wild card series just a couple weeks, or just about a week prior. Uh, and I was thinking, wow, this Marlins team has some of that mojo. Maybe we're actually going to see them make a run here once again. Uh, able to get him out fairly early in that ball game, but the Braves continue to bounce back. I think the big game changer in that one, going to game one, was Sandy Alcantara, whether it was on purpose or not, hitting Ronald Acuna Jr., a created some fire in that Braves dugout as they were able to inch back and back and back and closer into that ball game. Darno coming up with a big hit as well. Zuna, another double two, I believe it was in that same inning. Uh, and then the Braves would eventually take that lead back and never look back for the rest of the series. As in fact, I don't think the Marlins scored a single run for the rest of the series after that. Uh, I think that was the biggest game changer. What were your thoughts on that series as a whole? Again, we talked about it last week coming into the series, just the fact that the only reason the Marlins were really dangerous in this series was the fact that uh, they really had nothing to again. No one thought they would be here. Uh, no one thought they would make it this far in the postseason, quite frankly. And the Braves had a, appeared to have a ton of pressure on them based on what we, we thought anyways, <laughs> uh, not having advanced that far in the postseason in a while and uh, again, having just a lot of expectations. But they did not play like that at all. They played pretty comfortably based on the games that I watched. Um, again, Travis Darno coming up huge. Uh, Dansby Swanson coming up huge. It wasn't even their top players besides Acuna, obviously hitting that huge home run into the second deck in right field to lead off the series for the Braves. But um, again, they just it wasn't even their top players who played a huge part, which makes a really scary team coming into the series against the Dodgers because if they can get Freeman rolling Acuna could even play even better next series Ozuna could even come up with some bigger hits and combine that with the guys that have been hitting well including Darno and Swanson uh, that could make their lineup really scary but uh, again we'll get into that a little bit later their pitching depth does still concern me a little bit but mm -hmm. Kyle Wright's performance in game three was absolutely huge for the for the Braves uh, again uh, a shutout outing for him and Ian Anderson showed that, uh, again, just just such poise on the mound from Ian Anderson. Really impressive outing for him. Let's be honest here. Again, the Marlins lineup isn't that exciting. So Obviously, they, yeah. they, they played well enough to get them to this point. But uh, the Braves pitching, I think it says more about the Marlins hitting than it does about the Braves pitching I'm, in this series. I'm glad you brought that up. And even take a step backwards, look at the team they faced before then, the Cincinnati Reds, who didn't even show up offensively in that series, did not score a one run. I don't want to take anything away from this Braves starting rotation and this Braves bullpen that was really good in this series. But... It's a completely different monster that they'll be facing in the championship series against the Dodgers. Plus, you add in the factor that there's no days off in the seven-game series. They're going to have to get a little creative over there down the Braves' dugout. Again, Snicker is a good manager, and we'll see what happens here. But it's going to be tough, and I think that 
anyone who's saying the Braves are going to roll through this just because they're hot, again, I don't want to say you're wrong, but you do have to keep in mind that the teams that they faced are not nearly on the same level as that Los Angeles Dodgers team. And why don't we move right into it since we just finished all the division series. Let's move into our National League and American League Championship Series lookouts here, starting with that Dodgers-Braves series. For me, Ryan, again... I think the Braves are a good enough team to take one or two from this Dodgers team because they have a good offense, and the pitching, as we discussed, was really good the last couple of series so far. So if they're going to take a game, I'd say it has to be pretty early, um, to say the least, just because I don't know who they have after Kyle Wright in your 4-5 starter spots. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Dodgers in five in this one. I do think the Braves are capable of taking one game, and I hope they do because this is a great opportunity for them. Again, like you said, the big moment for the Braves to strike here would be in Game 1. They have Max Freed, who's been their most dominant pitcher and one of the most dominant pitchers in Major League Baseball this year, going up against Walker Buehler, who hasn't shown that he can pitch really deep into games yet. Again, not that he has to for the Dodgers, but again, I think Freed uh, could could potentially pitch a big game for the, um, for the Braves in Game 1. Again, He's not going to be facing John Birdie to lead off this series. He's <laughs> going to be facing Mookie Betts right off the bat. So that'll be interesting. He's not going to be able to groove a fastball over the plate to Betts like he was able to to Birdie in this in that Marlins series. I love that you bring that up, but too, then because again, that first inning was so dominant against the Marlins. I think he literally threw like 11 pitches, 11 strikes or something like that. But sorry to interrupt. Go on. No, that's all right. Uh, again, I think like you said... Um, the Braves lineup is going to have to carry them in the series. And in a huge ballpark like Arlington, I think it's going to come down more to the pitching than it will for the hitting. Again, we saw the Padres were really trying to lean on their hitting because their pitching depth was was uh, depleted there in the last series with Dodgers-Padres. And uh, that didn't work out too well for them. Obviously, they were able to hit a couple home runs, and then the, deep, the big ballpark impacted them negatively a few times also. So I think that's the Braves. I, so I think the venue of, of uh, Arlington there, Globe Life Field, I think that hurts the Braves a lot as opposed to the, if they were playing in Dodger Stadium, I think it would actually help them. I think no that doubt. would actually give them potentially a little home field advantage over the Dodgers <laughs> in their home park, ironically. But uh, again, uh, if I had to make a prediction in this one, which I will, I'm going to say that uh, it's Dodgers Dodgers in five also. Agreed. I'm going to go with you there. I think, I think the... Um, the Braves are going to be able to pull one out in there. I think they're going to get a good start from either Anderson. Uh, I'm going to go with Anderson, actually. I think he's going to come like up big against the Dodgers in game two. Again, we talked about just him having such poise on the mound. For The fact The fact is he's still going to have rookie eligibility next year. That's how little uh, experience he has in the major leagues. So, again, um, you got to give Anderson a ton of credit for how he's pitched in the postseason. But then again, it's going to be the ultimate test. He's faced the Reds and he's faced the Marlins. Now you're facing the big boys. You're facing the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are not going to be out there floundering like the Reds and the Marlins did against him. So, again, I think he's going to have to come in. But I think the Braves are ready. Uh, I, despite the fact that they faced a couple of teams that are that were down, including the Reds and the Marlins, I think they re they recognize that, and they're going to be up for the challenge to face the Dodgers. But then again, like we both said, I don't think it's going to make a difference in the long run. I think the Dodgers are that much better of a team, and they're just so well-rounded of a team as well. Yeah, and I just I 100% agree with you on that. And I just to reiterate, too, my thoughts on it, it's like – Obviously, I think the Braves are a good team. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but it's more of I don't think we're going to see the dominance from them 
that we saw in the last two series against the Marlins and the Reds. All right, let's move to the American League now here. This one's going to be a little bit more tight, in my opinion. And again, don't sleep on those Astros. It's going to be the Rays and the Astros game one on Sunday night on TBS in San Diego. Uh, I'm so excited for this one. Uh, it hasn't been announced yet who they'll start, if I'm correct here, but I'd imagine it's either Snell or Morton. Uh, it actually, it, not to interrupt you, it actually has been announced. It's going to be McCullers versus Snell. I just looked at that earlier today. Beautiful. Okay, McCullers and Snell. Uh, fun matchup for sure. Snell has a pitch since game one of the division series, so he's coming off some rest besides that little bullpen he threw, but let's be honest here, he's probably throwing a bullpen in between starts anyway. Um, but yeah, I think the Rays should win this series. I think it's all the Rays to lose, or it's their series to lose. I don't think, Ryan, that the Astros pitching is going to be able to carry them long enough. Obviously, we saw it help them out in the game or in the division series best of five. But here in the best of seven with no days off, it's going to be a huge struggle for them uh, if they get late into this series. If they're going to win a ball game, it's going to be early for me, just like I said with the Braves. Dusty Baker utilizing Javier, the pen, and so forth, trying to mix-match starters and relievers, uh, whether it be starting games or relieving after them. I don't think it's going to work out with no days off, and I, I think the Rays will take this one in five as well. Yeah, I think you're not giving the Astros enough credit. I understand what you're <laughs> saying about the pitching depth, and I think that's going to end up costing them. And again, as much as I don't like to give credit to the Astros because they cheated, and I'll say that again, um, they've proven that they don't need the cheating system to be successful. And I think they just, the bats came alive, and I think there's no team, no offense uh, that you could argue that's hotter than the Houston Astros right now. Um, Again, I think their starting pitching is a little is a little underrated. They're going to go with McCullers in Game One, who has that postseason experience, and I think he could put out a really good start against Snell. Um, they're going to roll with probably uh, they've announced they're going to roll. I think the projected starting pitcher in Game Two will be Valdez, who was really successful in the last series against good, the Oakland yeah. A's. Again, the Rays lineup uh, with their right-handed batters, including Brousseau, crushes lefties, so you know he'll be in the lineup. Um, and amongst other players as well, including Diaz, will be in the lineup, I would assume, against the left-handed starter. It's going to be a tougher matchup for him than facing, say, Chad Pinder in the heart of the athletics lineup. And give Pinder credit. Again, I don't want to get off topic here, but Pinder came up with some big hits, so I don't want it to seem like I'm knocking him. But the fact of the matter is it's going to be a tougher start for Valdez than it was uh, against the Oakland A's offense. But again, uh, I think he put up a good start. I think he matches up fine against the Tampa Bay Rays. He's shown that he has swing and miss stuff, and the Tampa Bay Rays swing and miss a lot. So if the Rays don't run into one at some point in the game, then Valdez could dominate them. Uh, I think, again, we're talking about Granke potentially in Game 3, and then you could go with either Urquidy or Javier in Game 4. Again, I think they're probably going to keep... Uh, Javier in the bullpen because he's been successful in that role and that's how he's been utilized thus far. But again, the Astros have a luxury. They actually have five decent starting pitchers, if not above average starting pitchers. So I think they'll be able to push this series deep. But then again, I think their bullpen depth, again, uh, Paredes pitched really well in the series. Taylor did a fine job. Presley at the back end. Uh, Javier will be in the pen. But besides those four guys, again, we're talking about potentially them pitching Scrub or Brooks Raley. Um, that's when it's going to come to the point where it's going to hurt them. And I think it will hurt them later in the season, but I, later in the series, I should say. But I think they have enough pitching to get them to late in the series. So I'm going to say they're going to get to a game seven. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna, I'm, that's my prediction. I think the Astros offense is that good and they've been that good. Again, before, before, let me finish my prediction first. I'm going to say Rays in seven. 
I think, again, that Tampa Bay Rays depth pays off. But let's go back. Let's look at the lineups now, because I know you're saying your, your prediction is uh, Rays in five. But again, look at the lineups again. I, I was speaking about this with, um, with someone before we did this, and, and it, th- that's when it kind of piqued my interest, is the fact that if you're going position by position, the Astros starters dominate the Rays starters. And I know, again, um, I argued actually when I was having this discussion that the Rays st- don't really have bona fide starters. They have more platoon situations at most of their positions, including first base, third base, in, uh, in the outfield corners. But uh, the fact of the matter is, I think, again, the Astros' elite players stand well above the Rays' elite players. And again, I know that's not the Rays' forte, but that is something to keep an eye out for. Again, the Astros have Springer, Bregman, Altuve. Um, Brantley has played really well. Tucker has shown some great promise this year. Gurriel has been in those spots. And when you really take a look at the Astros' lineup, they can carry them deep into this series just because of that playoff experience and because of the fact that they are very good players as much as we like to knock them for the trash can banging. Uh, they've <laughs> proven that they can be very good players without that system in this postseason. No, no, no. I, I see what you're saying. That's actually a tremendous point. But couldn't you have somewhat said the same thing about the Yankees coming in, especially since the bats were getting hot and you had this offense that had finally been coming together and the Rays were still able to figure that out? That's a good point. I actually made that point in this discussion that I was having before the show. <laughs> um, I, I said the fact that, look, the Yankees had players who were well and above uh, the fact that uh, uh, the that were, the elite players were way above the uh, the Rays players. But again, I think but it, they, that pushed them deep into the series also. So I think that's why the Astros are going to push it deep, just because their elite players are above the Rays. But I think, again, like the Rays depth paid off against the Yankees, I think the Rays depth is going to pay off against the Astros. But I do think that the Astros' top-tier players will push them to late in the series. Hey, I mean, fair enough. You make some good points there. We'll see what happens. And you're right. I, I think I think I was slipping on the Astros starting a little bit. I mean, look, we didn't even mention Zach Granke in that as well. They do have starters who I think could support that offense, which is a great point. It's just a matter of fact of how Dusty Baker's going to utilize that bullpen combined with the starters and how deep they can go in that ball game uh, and support that offense. So we'll see what happens. I'm still, just for the sake of it, have a little competition since our Dodgers-Braves is identical. I'm going to stick with my Rays in five and we'll see how it plays out for sure but yeah let's go over our predictions one more time i had rays in five braves and then dodgers in five and then you have dodgers in five as well and rays in seven so looking like we're gonna see a rays dodgers world series that would be really fun as well any last thoughts before we wrap this thing up you pretty much summed it up max again we had a great deal of series again uh if we're gonna be quite honest it wasn't the quite it wasn't the, the excitement that we were hoping for in this division series recap but the fact that the Yankees and Rays went to game five made it all the more exciting you could argue that we just got to focus on that game five and just it it really lived up to the hype also so I'm hoping that we get a couple at least one game seven in this upcoming series again in the championship series but we'll see that's my prediction Rays Astros game seven Rays come up on Rays come up on top uh, so that's what I'm hoping for. Again, uh, I know your predictions didn't have any teams going to a game seven, but I know if you're any, if, I you're, want if you're like me, <laughs> yeah, we want that game seven. And if there's a game seven coming up, you know, we're doing that game preview again, and we're going to get it out to you guys. 
and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do something similar next week. All right. From Max Tanzer, I'm Ryan Medeiros. Thank you guys so much for joining this Division Series recap and Championship Series preview. We'll catch you guys next week and enjoy some postseason baseball.